Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. As we speak, my husband is attending week four of Out of the Doghouse. Should I expect to see any changes in his behaviors towards me? For example, being more relational, being present, showing compassion and sympathy or empathy, I'm sorry, and listen to me when I express that I'm experiencing triggers. What practical things is he learning that can help recover our marriage? He is also working with a therapist. And this person does not indicate a CSAT therapist or if there's sex addiction, it's just the betrayal. So I'm just clarifying for you. Um, I wondered if you'd like to start answering this question, to be honest, because I don't know, it just seems like a Tammy question and I'll answer after you. I I think for anyone to expect magical changes in four weeks of 90 minutes a week is it's psychoeducation. So there are tools that are learned, but they have to be practiced. They have to, you know, there's homework assigned, you know, there, there, there's opportunities for changes, but change is a, is, is a process and, and takes a lot of practice. Somebody who's doing something this direction and needs to swerve to this direction, you know, there's a, there's, there's degrees that need to be, you know, gone through. So, so should have some insights about how to do things better and differently. Um, Realistically having big changes, big sweeping changes, I would not expect I, but I would, you know, I, I think it's fair for you to say, you know, not what are you learning and what did you write down or whatever, but I think it's fair for you to have, you know, what are, you know, what are, what are you taking away from, from this group? I've had some really good comments um, sent to the facilitator about how, how enlightening it is. And, and the guys are hearing it. It's just moving it from here down to here and, and implementing the actions, you know, that, that that's challenging, but I would love to have you have a conversation about in a non, you know, but just in a curious way, I, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, how, how you're feeling about this group, you know, there, there's an out of the doghouse, and, you know, too. So, you know, more will be revealed, but um, uh, have realistic expectations. Even if guys come to treatment, I say, we don't magically fix up them, you know, in the time that they're with us, they're going to have a whole bunch of skills and tools that they didn't have, but they still have to, you know, you know, if you're, yeah. So it was, if you pray for potatoes, you better pick up the spade, you know, you, you gotta be willing to use the tools, you know? So that's my well, thought. Tammy, for someone, for someone who didn't much to say, you did really well. Let's <laughs> say that. Um, you know, um, how do I answer your question? Um, I want to say, first of all, I think your questions are, are good ones to be asking because what you're looking for, compassion, empathy, being more relational and present is exactly what you want and makes sense for a healthy relationship. So, of course, those would be the things you're looking for. Um, I probably would say something like, you know, I, I had hoped that things were more I don't really feel the engagement I was hoping from with you. And I'm wondering if there's anything uh, you're learning from that might help us uh, be closer. You know, like Tammy said, I wouldn't probably, uh, you know, get get really deep into the, you know, what have you learned this week? You don't want to turn yourself into mom. But the other thing is that um, 
You know, I, I say a lot, and Tammy, I, I have to say it in the right way. Um, we can learn fairly quickly how to stop the addiction, but being kinder, nicer, more emotionally generous people can take a long time. And um, I am glad that your spouse is learning the pieces that he needs to learn, but how to make use of them um, takes time. I would also think these are therapy issues, you know, which is, gee, I don't seem to be as empathic as I'm supposed to be or as I want to be or, you know, what am I missing? Um, stuff like that. Um, I also be curious, how does he feel about taking the course? Is he resentful? Do you do it to, you know, a lot of, and I'll just say this, um, if you're an addict, the course you should, and you're just starting in the process, the course you should take is Sex Addiction 101 or Porn Addiction 101, learning the basics from your perspective. I see a lot of uh, men uh, and women who are addicts go right for out of the doghouse. That's the course they want. That's the book they want to read, because that's about learning how to seek forgiveness and be more empathic with your spouse. But to do that first is to do it backwards, because you know, being more empathic and loving to you and then continue to act out is not really helpful and not exactly empathic. So while these lessons are important to learn and I think need to be integrated into the work, um, if you're not sober and you're not being honest and showing integrity, it doesn't matter what book or course you're, you're taking. So the first question I would want to ask is, and you didn't say this, is, is he sober? Is he going to support? He may this? not be an is addict. He... I mean, that like the out of the doghouse is one one course that you know isn't well, necessarily true. about addiction as is the attachment wounds i mean you you know you can identify as a cheater but not really have the you know like so it's it's more complicated than that but yes if some i mean we do know that there are some people that ideally would be over in the sex addiction 101 group you know so well i would also say if you're in the middle of having an affair and you haven't ended it regardless of whether you're an addict or not. And you're right, Tammy, I really appreciate your mentioning more about the book that I wrote. <laughs> more in touch with it. But it is for men who've cheated on a woman. It isn't simply on, and it's not a, a recitation in how to recover from addiction, because as Tammy said, it's not a book about addiction. It's about healing a broken relationship where you cheated and you don't know how to make it better. And as I've said a bunch of times, I have never met a man yet who truly understands how to heal a relationship where a woman has been wounded by betrayal. We are so lined up with flowers and candy and moonbeams and taking you on vacation that we don't understand the emotional piece is so much greater than that. And that's, I think, what the book is about is saying, hey, this is a much bigger deal than you realized. You've destroyed the trust in this relationship, and it isn't going to come back with a few flowers and moonbeams, nor is it going to come back in three months. Um, I can't tell you how many men we work with in recovery who get 90 days or six months of healing and everybody in their group says, yay, you've got sobriety. And then they go home and say, look, honey, I've got sobriety. It's been three months. And their spouses look at them like, well, we've been married 20 years. So three months, not so impressive to me. So this is all part of the, also part of the challenge for addicts is we're used to seeking validation and support from you. And, and now we can't get it, nor should we get it. So anyway, lots of answers to that question. Well, and one more quick thing, the information that he's learning, there's homework. That's the great stuff to take to his therapist and work on, you know, like there'll, there will be insights, there'll be patterns, you know, like those type of things. So, you know, that, that would be great work for him. I hear often actually from therapists that appreciate having their clients in the work groups because they see so much more progress. This is psychoeducation. It's not the stuff that you're going to get in a 50 minute session with your therapist. So it, the two of them together, you know, can really help uh, you know help a lot so 
Okay, next question. My husband of 18 years is an SAPA. We are seven months into our second D-Day. He is sober, but not in recovery yet. He sees the CSAT weekly, but has been dragging on everything else. He said today that he has had thoughts that a separation might be good for him to work on himself and have to do this on his own. Should I see this as a red flag of possible relapse or should it be something that we look into? Have you ever known this to be helpful for the relationship? Well, I'm going to read into this one, if that's okay. Um, Please. Most of the men that I work with who are involved in relationships with women um, deeply want those relationships to work. And one of the reasons they come to seeking integrity, I think 90% of the men who come in who are straight come in because they want to rescue their marriages and they are so, or their family lives, and they're so invested Honestly, can I stay? Will he? Will she let me stay? Will he let me live there? Can I, you know, even just live in the closet because I so want to be around them and and be uh, have them be a part of my healing? So I have to say that this is a red flag for me, and it makes me think: Is this someone who's having an affair and they want to have more time in their affair? Is this someone who, you know, uh, you said he's sober and not in recovery? I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference. Maybe oh, just I the do. I discern is the sober. Yeah, I discern sober is useful. Sober and recovery. Yeah, sober is great, but being a person who's committed to healing and being a better person is just as important. How about that? And so, um, I wonder. I have to wonder: Is this person having an affair? Are they still involved in their addiction? Um, I wouldn't see it as much of a relapse as a big warning sign for me. Do I need to get a lawyer? Um, to make sure I know what my rights are. Do I need to look at the money? I mean, what is going on with this man? Because it is not typical. In fact, what is typical is for a female spouse to say, I want you out of here for a while. Or maybe a therapist might say, I think a separation might be good for you guys. But for the addict to go to the spouse and say, I think I'd like a separation, to me is a warning sign. It just is. Uh, What does he see himself getting out of this? And how does he possibly see it's going to help you guys to heal? Just doesn't sound like something an addict would say but tammy um so yeah a a whole bunch of red flags that i have to do this on my own he like he'll know i mean recovery is about healthy connection it's about those work groups we were talking about it's about everything else he's dragging his feet so to me i and i'm making this up because it's just what i'm reading but i was like oh you're feeling like he's dragging his feet so you're paying attention to what he's not doing And, you know, he probably feels some pressure about that. And so if he goes somewhere else, then you're not there. And he doesn't have to think about, you know, to me, it's compartmentalizing and preparing to act out, you know, whether he does or not, I don't know. But, you know, I'm with Dr. Rob, I would, you know, I would. Uh, And if you're going to do even a therapeutic separation, you have a plan about what you expect to see, you know, in a certain time frame and that he has those benchmarks, you know, and I I concur, you know, consult a a divorce attorney, know what your rights are. You guys have been married 18 years. It's good information to have, regardless of whether you ever use it or not, just so you know, you have peace of mind about this is what it would look like. So, okay. Next question. And there's other warning signs in there, like uh, second D-Day, like you've already had disclosure and now you're getting another disclosure. He's not in recovery yet. He's probably not going to support groups, 12-step and all of that. I wonder, and for you, I have to say, 
as a spouse who has been violated, the thought that my partner is going to be out there living alone, no idea what they're doing on their own is going to leave me worried all the time. You know, if you're invested in this relationship, if he's invested in making the relationship better, why would he leave and make you more anxious, more fearful and asking questions like this? How about saying to you, what do you think would be best for us and asking you rather than throwing this at you and have and you're having to figure out in between the lines what's being said. So this this really would be a good thing for the two of you to go to therapists about even that CSAT and say, can I come to one of your sessions? Because I don't know how to handle this. And I think we need support in figuring it out together. Um, yeah, I don't think I take this one on alone. So that's my feedback. Okay. Can you explain what it, it what it is the sex addict is seeking validation boosts in self-esteem? I'm so confused. My husband has everything he could need. Good job. Wife that's trying to be patient and supportive Two loving, healthy kids. He continues to get in situations that lead to severe negative consequences. When accused of doing stuff, denies it completely, even if his story or rationale makes zero sense. Tries to quick fix his life by trying to win the lottery, gamble, thinking that it will make things all better. Looks up stuff like how to uh, change my life quick. He finds this change uh, your life in 30 days crap. I'm just like, how dumb can you be? Where is the logic? He seems so sad, unhappy, insecure, and even at times seems to be truly remorseful and guilt for his actions. But I can't seem, um, but can't seem to know where to start or how to change. I'm starting to work on me, but having a hard time thinking it'll work. Mm. Well, there are a lot of questions in there, Tammy. I would say at yeah. least nine or ten. But I wanted to start by asking the first one, answering the first one. Um, as a sex addict, I don't think that what I was seeking was, uh, I do think I was seeking validation, um, but not in a sense that anyone in my adult family life or work could have given me. What I was looking for is the kind of validation that a four-year-old or seven-year-old looks for, or someone who is so frightened of connection that I wanted control over how I made connection. You see, a, a sex worker and a fair partner is never going to disappoint me, let me down, make me have negative feelings, because I could just pick another one. But uh, if I turn to you, especially if your patient is supportive, you know, I that's scary. I could really get hurt in relationship to you. So um, I, I do think that the current circumstances, I have a healthy life, a healthy job, I have a reason, is not necessarily going to keep, you know, I don't think, and let me try it this way. I don't think a nice home, loving kids and a good in income ever kept an alcoholic from drinking. I don't think it ever helped a gambler not gamble. These are internal problems. In other words, you're asking intellectual questions, but the person's got an emotional problem. And so they can say from here, this, this, and this, but what's really going on, you know, they're acting out. It isn't coming from here, essentially. It's coming from a very broken air. And, and as far as like... Um, Doing things that make no sense, um, well, that's something we do all the time. But it looks like, you know, it, it, it doesn't like, this doesn't look like someone who's really in recovery um, because I don't, by the way, see anything about therapy, anything about 12-step programs, anything about support. And uh, it's looks the quick fix. Stuff like, yeah. Yeah. This, is, this might be someone who is doing all this to shut you up. 
In other words, what can I do? And by the way, we have people who sign up for our courses, not because they should be there, but because they are. it's a way of saying to their spouses, well, I, I, I did something, I did this. And it's not just that. It's as Tammy said, it's the intellectual and the, and the psychological and the emotional. We are broken as addicts on every level. And so, for example, at, in, at treat, in treatment, see, Tammy's taught me how to do this. At our treatment center, you know, we're not just dealing with intellect. We're not just dealing with emotions. We're not just dealing with trauma. We're not just dealing with addiction. We're dealing with how it all fits together. And so um, that is a part thinking process, but a lot an emotional process. And honestly, you know, when I uh, challenge some of the men in treatment, a lot of them say they love their spouses, but they don't have any idea what it really means to love somebody. You know, they're so, so filled with guilt and shame and secrecy that they can look like they're loving, but they're really not. So, uh, yeah, this sounds like someone is looking for a quick fix. And I have to say in a little way, probably to keep you quiet. But that's just my guess. Well, and Tammy, I was thinking, I, and I, I don't see it. I see looking for a quick fix, um, but also holding up this facade. Like, you know, I have a good job. I have a loving wife. I have loving kids. And so the facade looks great into all those people on the outside, you know. But he knows, he knows his brokenness and the shame and discomfort around all of that. And so looking for the quick fix is, of course, I, I get this all the time, you know, uh, with, with people looking for, well, if I just do this and, and really, you know, there's a saying around the 12 step, my best thinking got me here. And so he's not going to be able to think his way out of this, even if he's highly successful in his job. This is, this is why we, you know, we need help. You love a broken person. You will never understand the, his brain. I, I, you know, I, I go on the betray partner groups sometimes. And I was like, you guys are looking from a normal brain that would never do this stuff, would never, you know, do things that are so hurtful and have such negative consequences. And we are thinking with the back part of our brain that is just like breathing. I'm just going to go do this because that's what I need to do. And, you know, the gambling, I mean, high intensity, you know, but very compartmentalized. So um, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, like, um, hang on. I was, I, I would, I would love to have him, you know, consider seeking integrity. We do four to five hours of assessment. We were looking at all the underlying stuff before they even come in. We want to understand all those pieces that are put together, um, and, and how, how someone can, they have an aftercare plan for them. You know, he's a married guy with two kids. So his aftercare plan is going to be different than someone who's single or someone who's retired or whatever. You know, all of those nuances are what we need in order for us to be successful in living life on life's terms, not making up the, you know, the wacky plan that he's trying to live by. So I would uh, encourage you join the betray partner groups on, they're free. My, yeah, and, and it's on uh, that one, I think, uh, on sexandrelationshiphealing.com. And um, and find out what healthy boundaries you need to keep you and your kiddos safe. That's, you know, what, what do you need to do, you know, for you and the kids and, and set those boundaries to help you. It's not punitive. It's so that, you know, there's a safe space for you. I, I wanted to add one more thing, Tammy, because I see the... Uh, which I think is interesting, and even at times seems to have true remorse and guilt for his actions. So let me tell you what true remorse and guilt, true remorse and guilt looks like. It looks nothing. It doesn't anything about words. Oh, I feel so terrible, and you have no idea. I think I'm trying to. I'm starting to really get what I did to you. No, 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 no. Remorse looks like 
I'm going to go to three meetings this week and I'm going to call my sponsor and we're going to go out for a cup of coffee and I'm going to start that therapy group. Remorse looks like action. If I really feel bad, we are full of words, us addicts. We have so many words that we can use uh, and have used, but really it's all about action. And when I see, I don't necessarily mean your, your particular story, but already we've seen some stories, didn't hear anything about a 12-step program, didn't hear anything about therapy, didn't hear anything about, you know, this is all about action. Like Tammy said, if I could think my way into healing, I would. Um, this requires, or if I could remorse and shame myself into, into doing, uh, and actually I, that leads to something I wrote down when you were talking, Tammy, which is something I hear from spouses all the time because I read your letters to the clients. You, you have impact letters that you send talking to us about what you've been through and what your experience is of the addict. And we read them to them so that they can see it from your perspective. And by the way, I've had many, many men say, my spouse has said that to me a million times, but when I hear it here, now I really hear it. Because they're not just saying it, to, they're just listening, like, let me shut her up. They're looking at it like, oh, I'm hearing this in a way that I've never heard it before. But um, I hear this from spouses all the time, and I just want to comment on it. How could he love me and do this at the same time? And that's what Tammy's talking about, is our brokenness. You can't imagine not even in the wildest fantasy, loving us and doing something so hurtful and destructive. But we do it without thought because we are able to compartmentalize and we can put our sex life over here and our relationship and family life over there. And we can keep them completely separate in our minds so that we can love you. And we do. And we're doing all this crazy stuff because we're broken. And really, I can't say that strongly enough. We are really screwed up people. Um, if we can do the things that we do to you and ourselves, we are broken. And I think actually that is a better way of thinking about it than we're bad. Because if you see us as bad people, nobody can help us if we're bad people. But if we're broken people, then we and others can help uh, addicts grow and become better people. Um, so it's a process that I don't see a lot of these folks fully in, Tammy, unfortunately. Um, I don't either. Let's keep yeah. moving. Okay, last summer we had some kids over to swim ages 5 to 11, and my recovering essay husband had a sexual arousal when seeing one of the young girls in her bikini. He was alarmed because he has never viewed child porn and has not been attracted to kids, only adults. Could this be pedophile OCD? Will a CSAT be able to determine uh, that uh, this through therapy, or is he lying to himself and me about a much deeper issue? Well, I have to say what I like is that he told you. And my husband said that he got aroused. That is a really, I mean, that's a really hard to say, thing to say about this population that you had an arousal interest at all. So I do want to validate his going to you and saying this. This is what we want is for him to say, hey, I had this thing and I don't know what to do with it, but I want to tell you and not keep it a secret. What it means, I don't know. I mean, I haven't interviewed him. I don't know him. I don't know what that 11-year-old looked like, and I'm not in any way saying you should be interested in an 11-year-old, but there are 12-year-olds who were, you know, they're busty, and, you know, I had hair on my chest at 12, so excuse the, the personal statement. So, you know, but I don't want to blame the victim. It's obviously inappropriate. It obviously doesn't make sense. I don't know whether he's done this one time or 100, and neither do you. So the answer to this, you can make up any kind of answer you want, but I would want to, yes, a CSAT will help determine what this is all about if he's willing to be honest. 
if he's not willing to be honest with the therapist, then, you know, all bets are off. Um, so is he lying to yourself and you about a much deeper issue? I have no idea um, at all. Um, Tammy, I guess, do you have th more thoughts? No, I mean, I... You, yeah. And just so you know, I mean, not most CSATs are, I mean, they might be able to um, have an inkling about what's going on and they can do some basic assessment. But at, at the end of the day, you know, there are sex offender assessments that are very different. So, um, so I, I don't know that one, but not do. And, and it says, um, this is last summer. So here we are in tomorrow is February and it's deeply concerning to me that, that this much time has passed and there hasn't been a full-on assessment. So um, uh, sooner rather than later would be my encouragement. So, okay, next question. I am a male addict in recovery for just under a year. I am finally fully opening up to being completely vulnerable with and fully sharing whatever I think of and possibly can with my partner. Oh my, um, like that's my personal reaction. That wasn't in there. In the past two days or so, I've been, having mental blocks on things to share. Any advice on how to get over or through these blocks? Are there any specific sharing exercises that I can do to stimulate the process further? Well, Tammy, you said, oh my. And so you're gonna have to explain I, that like, to us. I love my husband. I don't wanna know all, I just, and he doesn't need, wanna know mine. Like, I don't wanna know every single one of his thoughts, you know, like, oh. And he would probably like me to talk a little less. So that's a whole different thing. That's what I was like, com being completely vulnerable and fully sharing. I'm like, that's a lot. That's a lot of, um, and you, that to me, it's just like, and with your partner. So to me, I have a recovering community that I go share a lot of stuff with. And, you know, and uh, so like, I, I don't know, like, I guess I'm having a, I, I think having, some things, you know, go share with your sponsor, not with your partner, but that's me. Well, I see this person looking for advice and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know you guys and I wouldn't know how to advise you, but I really think this is a therapy thing. Um, like when you say you're looking for exercises, to me, that means you're looking for a professional to guide you because book exercises are great, but these issues are way too traumatic to read a little questionnaire and say, oh, okay, I'll just go through this. Um, so, you know, I do think that you're someone who should be in a betrayed partners group to begin to hear how other people are handling this. I don't see anything about disclosure. This person is, is the male addict. Oh, and fully yes. sharing and with my that's partner. Why, oh, yes, that, that, that was my, like, you know, I don't think partners need to hear every detail. And, and and on some level, I'm also going, just have some fun. Like, do something that's, like, not about sharing deeply on every single level. That, I mean, like, oh, my gosh. It just feels like that feels heavy to me. But maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't have the emotional tolerance. I don't know. Well, I, I also think, again, I'm going to go back to therapy because if you don't know what to say or how to say it, you should be guided. And if your partner doesn't have the emotional support to hear those things, you can completely overwhelm him or her with your answers. It's great that you feel you're ready to be vulnerable. Does that mean your spouse has the support to hear it and get supported? Or are they going to want to kill themselves after they hear all this? Do you understand how to do this? Meaning that we strongly discourage graphic details. 
We don't want you to say, you know, this person had big these, or, you know, I was fantasizing about that when I was with them, or, you know, specific details about your sexual acting out will leave your spouse never able to be sexual to you again without thinking about all this, no less walk down the street. So um, I do think what Tammy said is accurate. You don't want to share every single thought, no matter how vulnerable you're feeling. You need to take direction from people who can advise you. And I appreciate you're asking it here, but this is, you know, come sit with us for a couple of hours and work on it or find the right therapist. By the way, if you are looking for someone to work with, Tammy often makes referrals around the country. She and I know people, uh, all kinds of really around good the therapists. World. We, we know the ones who aren't so good. So um, it's T-A-M-I, it's four letter word, T-A-M-I at Seeking Integrity. We don't get kickbacks, but we do make really good referrals because we know those folks. And a lot of them sit with me in consultation every week. So I get to know them by their questions as I've trained most of them, <laughs> to be honest at this point. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.